Hey, welcome to Conversations with Ben Dixon, where we discuss important topics through a biblical lens. You know us, you're with us all the time, but let me go ahead and remind you where you can watch this and also listen to it. You can always watch it on YouTube. You just go to Pastor Ben Dixon and there's a playlist called Conversations. We also have our other podcast called Bible Foundations. So make sure to join us there and also like and subscribe and share this with other people. If you are an audio listener, you can always listen to us on Spotify and you can listen to us on Apple and everywhere else that you listen to podcasts. So thank you for joining this conversation. And I want you to know I'm really excited about this specific episode because of who we have with us today. And I'm gonna introduce him and then just let him loose on us because it's really important uh, that we just make the most of our time. But Pastor Randy Remington has been in pastoral ministry for over 30 some years. He's gonna tell us how many, I'm not exactly sure, but has led some significant churches as a lead pastor and now serves as the president of the Foursquare denomination, which is the denomination I am ordained in and our church is a part of. And so I don't know what it's like to have the title of president, but we're about to learn. <laughs> if you want to know who your president is, my president is actually with us uh, today. So it's a funny joke. I thought I thought that would be great. So he's joining me for the discussion on prayer. Randy, how are you doing today? Doing well, Ben. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad to be here having a conversation with, with, with Ben, ben Dixon. Dixon. In case you forget person. who you're having a conversation with, That's there right. it is. Every just, once in a while, I'll glance over my, my <laughs> shoulder there. <laughs> you got to have fun with me because I'm, I'm, I'm going to have fun with the uh, yeah. president title. What's it like to be a president? Um, well, first of all, it's a it's such a a weird title for me to ha to to be called because one, you know, just on a very, you know, our lives are ministry, you know, given to ministry, and that ministry focuses derived from the scripture, and I can't find the word president in the Bible, <laughs> uh, so that so there's that that weird uh, tension, but it is what it is. It, it just acknowledges that. Um, it's an overseer role mm -hmm. in our movement. And in the end, really, I get to, we have a corporate side to us, but I get to be a pastor to pastors. So tell me real quickly, just for everybody that would watch or listen, what what is it like to do what you do? What, how would you describe it to somebody? You're on an airplane and you're sitting next to somebody and they say, hey, what do you do? And you're like, well, <laughs> instead of the role, the title, how would you, how do you describe your role? What do you get to do? What do you love doing about mm -hmm. it? I, I'd love to hear about that. Yeah. I mean, it's a bifurcated role. There's two two primary aspects to the role, and it's even outlined and defined in our bylaws. You know, the first is you are technically the CEO of the organization, but that means, in essence, I I have oversight and give leadership to the teams that lead us corporately on just even the business legal um, uh, fiduciary side of the of, of the 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 Foursquare Church, and it's important, but that's not our primary focus. That's mm -hmm. kind of the skeletal structure that upholds and facilitates the vital organs in the life and allows for movement. Um, and then the other side of that is it's how it's worded in our bylaws. I'm the most senior pastor. Mm -hmm. By virtue of the assignment, I get to pastor pastors. And I think, I think to me, that's the most important part because there's this stewardship assignment um, mm -hmm. that's resident within that uh, title to steward our story, to steward uh, the grace and anointing that I think abides and remains on us as a movement, um, just to even to steward our focus and mission and who we are <clears throat> uh, to be as the church. And so there's, there's a 
there's a responsibility there that I feel the weight of, and I bear up under that weight, hopefully by his grace. Um, because this isn't a role I have sought or thought I would ever be in, I can't say it's a lifelong quest, but I, I'm importing into the role all of my just 38 years of pastoral ministry and life in the local church. Um, so that's really my native habitat is the local church, and being a pastor is my natural Mm-hmm. impulse and my natural instinct. So um, the the job is travel, first and foremost, because there's the necessity for and the importance of just being present, you know, mm-hmm. being with people, being at tables, being in rooms, mm-hmm. being um, on podcasts, in contacts. Yes. And especially <laughs> with Ben Dixon. With ben, That's you know, right. I mean, I just, I'm just saying. <laughs> so, yes. so in, in essence, I'm glad for the season of my life. All my, my family um, is in a season that allows this. Mm-hmm. Uh, my boys are all in their mid twenties or older and uh, launched in life. And so it, it's it's not a very we were just talking about this earlier it's not a very there's not a a rhythm to it per se mm-hmm. so like in pastoral ministries there was you know those sundays just keep coming you know and so oh, yeah. kind of your week gets built around that and i don't have that that cadence or rhythm to my weeks now so every day is different every week is different every month is different and um i mean there's some things that are set in the annual calendar that we kind of have to build around but Pri- uh, just primarily, it's it's just every day is different, every week is different. Mm-hmm. So, and there's there's a there's a drain to that, but there's also something really invigorating about that mm-hmm. as well. What do you miss being? You've been a pastor of three churches, mm-hmm. right? Senior pastor. What do you miss about um, not just the rhythm and the routine, but what are some of the things that you miss that you don't get to do anymore? I miss the. I mean, I'm very grateful for all the opportunities I have. Mm-hmm. Um, People have been so gracious and generous in terms of invitations to preach and speak and get to be in churches and um, in different uh, leadership settings. I miss I miss the week in and week out um, being part of a community that um, is embodying the the life of Jesus together in a community. Mm-hmm. And what does it mean to be a light and a lampstand kind of church in a community? What does it mean to be in a a generational uh, body that a uh, multi-generational body that that is just uniquely expressing just this full life of Jesus to a to a community and city and then also just the consistency of of what God is doing to form that community by his word and spirit mm, and get to be good, part yeah. of the the week in and week out of that because it 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 happens over time right so there's something powerful about being in one place over a long period of time mm-hmm. and the trust that gets built in that. Um, I'm, I'm as a pastor, I didn't have to earn, earn my way every Sunday. You know, there was, there was a certain <laughs> kind of given people like trusted you. There was a certain kind of a already ease to that because mm-hmm. of just the relational um, intertwining that happens over time and all those shared experiences and those uh, moments uh, that you get to be there for people. And um and I, you know, not just what I give, but what I've received as well from from those experiences. So, I, I kind of miss the, I miss the power of a place and the power of a people. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, I may not be directly affecting or impacting a local church like that. But I get to now in this role by virtue of my relationship with other pastors and the assignment I have, I get to indirectly. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I, can, church. I can see that being something you'd miss, like the sowing and the reaping, right? So mm-hmm. you get to go to a lot of places and appreciate what God's doing everywhere. And you're still part of a community, but you obviously aren't mm-hmm. going to be there in the same fashion and the same way yeah. and get to experiences. Yeah, people, people who know you and they know your strengths, they know your weaknesses, they know your your quirky idiosyncrasies, they, they just, but they love you. And there's this bond that happens when people give you that place in their lives to be their pastor. Man, um, it's different than when you're just parachuting in and out of a place, you know, oh, yeah. when you're just showing up, people are gracious and they, there's there's always a an honoring and a welcoming heart that's extended um, wherever I go, um, people are kind. Um, it's just different though right i i'm i'm not i'm not resident among you i'm leaving again mm-hmm. so and so i my wife and i have to make sure we're intentional about having that in our lives as well mm-hmm. so we don't become this detached appendage do you know this this mm-hmm. part over here that circles and orbits around those pulsating places of life and we're just um I don't want to be parasitical where we're just, we're just drawing life from others, but where do we have our own just ongoing community? Right. Like that's still really important for us. Yeah, no, that's yeah. awesome. Well, you are a great pastor to pastors and that's why you're here. So thankful that you're, that you've come. Um, I wanted to, as the description and the title will say in this podcast, I want to just kind of zero in on the issue of prayer. And, uh, and first I just want to talk about the importance of prayer and, he- and here's why. Uh, I started to get to know you a little bit mm-hmm. when you became the president. I knew who you were, but something that I appreciated was that almost in every setting that I've been in, al- almost every setting that I've been in with you, I've heard you emphasize prayer. And I'd love to think that that's normal for Christian leaders, but it's not. And and that's no knock on anyone else. We all have our emphasis, but it's something that I've come to appreciate and value about your ministry. And And I also do think that... Um, yeah, I personally resonate with that because I I see the importance and the need for prayer. I want to pray more. I want to go deeper uh, in that in leading mm-hmm. a house of prayer. But uh, so to me, when I thought about what would I interview you on, or how would I sort of put together a podcast with with Randy, I was think I was thinking about something that comes out of you when whenever I'm around you or whenever I listen to you speak. It just somehow I feel like it gets its way out and I'm inspired and compelled by that. So some of the questions, I just want to throw some questions at you and just have you respond to um what's what's in your heart and kind of what motivates you um in in this way. Why is prayer or how, why has it become so important to you that you have emphasized it as, as a leader, but mm-hmm. as a person, how, how did that kind of come about? What, why is it so important to you? And yeah, I mean, how much time in, <laughs> in three minutes with conversations with Ben Dixon? <laughs> yes, that's right. Okay. Go. Hey, uh, okay. So let's, let's go foundationally. Yeah. So we all have the leaders we emulate, mm-hmm. um, the leaders that have imprinted us, that have impacted us, that have shaped us, uh, sometimes good or bad, but they've they've profoundly and sometimes disproportionately have impacted us. I always like to calibrate back to Jesus as the gold standard for the leader that I'm going to, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, not saying that human leaders uh even those that have lived generations before us through their writings and their biographies. I mean, we we are profoundly shaped by 
our, our very roles as leaders, we're shaping and we're we're exampling to others of of a life of faith and um, what does it mean to follow Jesus. But if I look at the life of Jesus, out of all the things you can say about Jesus, preeminently he was a man of prayer. Amen. Yeah. And and so I just I, I kind of have to start there. If prayer was central to the life and the ministry of Jesus, then then how could I be um how could I have a life of ministry that's different than that? Yeah. And so I know that sounds really um, like something I should say, mm -hmm. but to me, it really is revelatory when I look at the question that the disciples asked Jesus, um, would you teach us to pray? Mm -hmm. You know, and we, we've all taught this, but out of all the things they could have asked him, you know, they've seen him do miracles. They heard him teach with authority. They saw him cast out devils. They saw him confront religious systems. They, all the things they could have asked Jesus to teach them, mm -hmm. they, they, the only record we have in Scripture of them asking Jesus to teach them specifically about something was prayer. So, as a disciple of Jesus, mm -hmm. you know, I can still be taught by Jesus. You know, I can ask Jesus that same question: "Teach me to pray." And and the reason why I think that the disciples asked Jesus that question because they were men who were taught from childhood to pray as Jewish boys. Mm -hmm. Prayer was like, was wrote for them. It mm -hmm. was just hardwired into them. Um, but their prayer life didn't produce what Jesus' prayer life produced. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so when the scripture says in Luke 6, when Jesus came from a place of prayer, like he was coming from his place of prayer, they asked, would you teach us to pray? And I think the revelatory um, aspect to that question was um, because they connected the dots between Jesus's personal life of prayer and his public life of ministry. Mm -hmm. And so the, really the real impetus was, if we have your private life of prayer, we can have your public life of ministry. Because right, right. this flows out of that. Right. So there was something about Jesus and his ministry that was rooted in prayer that provoked the disciples to ask him that question. Right. Which, quite frankly, I don't know that my life has ever provoked anybody around <laughs> me to go, what you're doing could only be because of a source outside of you. So would you teach us to pray like you pray? Now, I've had people asked me to teach them to pray. I've had people who've prayed with me. I've intentionally taught prayer to those that I've been raising up because of the priority that it is in my life. But I've never really had somebody come up to me and go, dude, I, I gotta, you gotta teach me how to pray because there is no way, you know, this, this is so supernatural. Like there's gotta be something more to the, you know, um, I would want people to scratch their heads and go, how, how did that happen? You know, I mean, God's obviously it worked there, but, and so when Jesus taught his disciples to pray in, in Matthew six, the sermon on the mountain, he says, go into your room, mm -hmm. shut the door mm -hmm. and pray to your father who's in the secret place. And, what Jesus did is he drew the connection there that your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Mm -hmm. 
It's kind of like there's a connection again that who I am in private ultimately is revealed publicly. And oftentimes we spin that, we we emphasize that on the negative. That if you're living in secret sin, right. you know, be careful, your sin publicly will find Publicly exposed. Yes. Like, <laughs> and almost salaciously we, you know, say that because like, well, it's only a matter of time, you know. And I think there is something true to that. You will be who you are in those unguarded, unscripted moments. Um but I like the positive aspect of it that the priority of a life in communion, you know, that we we so often focus on the produce, like what are what am I producing? Mm-hmm. And the emphasis in scripture really is on the connection point of yeah. the abiding, yeah. the remaining, the indwelling life of God. Like, do I know how to live in this life that I've been given in Christ that 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 I so love Jesus, I so love his presence, I so um, long to be with him, that that becomes the driving focus of my life and ministry because out of that. Mm-hmm. So, so somebody once said, connection leads to production, you know? So, um, Where's the attention that we should prioritize and give is to abiding in the vine. So if I remain in him and he remains in me. So I, I think for me, it all starts there, you know? So what was the compelling motivation for Jesus? It was to be with Abba. Mm-hmm. He just wanted to, like, I, I'm not doing anything I didn't see the Father doing. I'm not right. saying anything I didn't hear the Father saying. So do I have anything to say? Do I have anything to do? You know, it's like, mm-hmm. um, if I cannot prioritize time with Jesus, how am I going to know what's important? How am I going to know what really is eternal what matters you know it's just going to be mean kind of filtering it through my own wisdom and ideas and you know priorities versus that which really has come out of that place of of prayer for me there's always two aspects of prayer there's that transformative prayer closet Mm -hmm. and quite frankly i'll tell you the real reason (laughs) you know it's like jesus is the high high calling and the the gold standard I just don't bring a lot to the table, honestly, like in terms of giftings and skills. And I, I marvel at some of these 10 talent people, mm. you know, that, that I'm around. And I mean, Ben, you, you, you so outshine me in some of just the gifts and graces that God has put on your life. I'm, I'm, I rejoice in that. I'm not jealous of that. Well, it's just the conversation with Ben Dixon thing. <laughs> I know, I, I, it's I, my name's on the wall. I know. What there you do? go. <laughs> so it's very humbling to, to be here, but, but to, but to, but think about it. There's just how, how, like, I look at, and I could name some names of people that we would all know, and they're like tremendously gifted. And I'm going to get up to heaven one day and ask God, like, really? <laughs> you couldn't give me just that, like, you gave me a Pee Wee Herman voice and you called me to be a preacher, you know? <laughs> and it's like, you've, you know, it's like no musical ability. Like, come on, you know, toss me a bone here. So, so I'm kind of desperate. Yeah. Like I am so in over my head all the time yeah. in every ministry assignment I've had. I just feel like I'm way in over my head. Mm. And I think the maxim is true. Desperate people pray. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons we don't pray in our culture, we don't have a prayer problem. We have a comfort problem. Yeah. Things are just comfortable and easy and put us in maybe like pick us up and transplant us and right now into some other parts of the world, the South Sudan or someplace like that. We would probably pray um with a with a different level of urgency and oh, intentionality yeah. oh yeah so 
honestly, I don't know how to lead outside of hearing and obeying. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to outside of just really being in God's presence and being somebody of his presence because if what is imparted out of my life isn't spirit, there's nothing spiritual that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. spirit gives life to spirit, flesh begets flesh, you know? Mm -hmm. So for me, it's the life and the example of Jesus, but it's also just born out of my own desperation. Mm -hmm. um, do you do you have like, I'm just kind of thinking while you're talking, like, do, can you remember back to like moments in your in your life with Christ where this emphasis on prayer and desire and um and need for you to go deeper in prayer can you remember like any kind of transitional moments that just mm -hmm. required you personally like how how was that further deepened for you just yeah um first of all when i was a 16 year old end of my junior year in high school soon to turn 17 just a few weeks before you turn 17 i was baptized in the holy spirit mm -hmm. And prior to that, I was more in just a fundamental list Bible church, um, kind of a cessationist, dispensational, you know. Mm -hmm. I had a I had a fear of God. I had a morality that was very um uh it was a very moralistic kind of faith. Um I didn't love the word. It wasn't in the word. I, I was starting to slip. I was starting to do some stuff behind my parents' back, you know, and my dad was a pastor. And I was just like right on the verge of, and I got in a very supernatural series of events, I ended up baptized in the Holy Spirit. And mm. so it radically, it was like being born again, really, for yeah. me, um, where I just, one of the, and for me, one of the initial manifestations of that was this love for Jesus. I just loved Jesus. Like this thing came out of me of, so when the Bible speaks of a well of salvation springing into eternal life, you know, turning into this river <laughs> within us that flows, I felt like I went from kind of sipping out of the well to this river started flowing from my innermost being. And the compelling direction of, of that river was to want to know Jesus more. Right. Right. So to love, to love Jesus, to be, to know his voice, to be a man after his own heart. Mm -hmm. um, and so I thought, well, I can't do a lot of things, but I can do that. I can chase heart after Jesus. And mm -hmm. so prayer for me became less about obligatory or perfunctory or a, a discipline, mm -hmm. but it became this desire, this passionate desire. Mm -hmm. So for me, if I don't have time with Jesus every day, I'm I'm kind of lost. You know, as a matter of fact, you my wife knows <laughs> if I'm not spending time with Jesus. Like, go to your room and spend time with Jesus. You know, it's like I I can just there's little dashboard warning lights going off. Like, hey, he's not been, and so I'm just a different person. Yeah, when I'm. And going back to this role, that's one of the hardest things about being in different time zones and, you know, different places and schedules and to prioritize time with Jesus where it can't be as much of a, of a every day, this, this is how I start my day here. Sometimes it's at the end of the day, sometimes it's in the middle of the day, but I just like my heart cries, like calls to like, I just, this place where Jesus is waiting for me. Right. You know, and so for me, the prayer closet, and I'm not a real contemplative. I've never been able to be kind of more the, the, I love Lecto, Lecto Divinia, Lecto, 
<laughs> I never pronounce it right. I love all the stuff. Like, though, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, I get it. I, 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 for me, it's just like so personal. Yeah. You know, it's just like really um, being the presence of Jesus. And so that got so foundationally laid in my life as just a, a kid in high school um, that kind of carried through. And to this day, um, my life and ministry flows out of that place. And yeah. I think that's why sometimes I mystify people. Like people scratch their head, like, how did you end up there? How does like, you know, and because we know what it's like to preach really well-crafted messages. And it's like, you're just transferring information. Yep. But we also know what it's like to be in a place where the word is ministered. Mm. And it's kind of like when Jesus said to Peter, um, flesh and blood didn't teach you that. Mm -hmm. My father in heaven showed you that. Like that's right. there, there's something that's resonating there. That's not that that's more than you. And we know what it's like to, to minister and have something come out of just that's imparted. I, I, it's something that's like almost revelation, like Jesus is revealed. So prayer yeah. to me is more less about what it accomplishes is more in, in the person that it reveals, right. you know? And so Peter Gregg, who leads the 24-7 prayer movement, um, written some books on prayer. He said, I don't pray because I love to pray. I pray because I love Jesus. And I wished I would have come up with that statement I, because that so captures my heart. I wish I could say that I thought of that, but, I, but I've, I've taken it um, because it does communicate the essence of uh, because I love Jesus, I want to be with Jesus. Yeah. I want to talk to Jesus. I want to hear from Jesus. So. No, it's that simple, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, and it's hard to be, you know, the whole mechanical part of prayer. We always want to learn a door or pray until something mm -hmm. happens, you know, all the acronyms, whatever. Mm -hmm. it, it, all that's really Im important. It helps us with discipline. I love Richard Foster's celebration of disciplines. I mean, I love all that, mm -hmm. all that stuff. And, and of course, I'm, but I'm not a contemplative either. Mm -hmm. I, I read Dallas Willard and I kind of go, that's a lot. <laughs> You know, like his book on renovation of the heart was great. Yeah, I, I did. I did. Mm -hmm. I did love that. Um, no, I, I, I love, I love excerpts. I love little quotes, <laughs> yeah, right. quotes, but it's just to each his own. You know, everybody yeah. responds differently. Yeah. Um, I resonate with what you're saying is my yeah. point. I'm totally there. Yeah. Amen. I think though, I differentiate between the prayer closet and the watchman on the wall. So yeah. there's- Intercessors versus like yes. intimacy. Yeah. So, so- Exactly. So the the intercess the role of intercession mm -hmm. versus my own communion, yep. um, my own communing with Jesus, mm -hmm. you know, in prayer. This is very transformational, and this is very, um, uh, you know, where I hear and I listen and I'm with, and hopefully the fragrance of Jesus <laughs> remains on me, and I'm a person of His presence. But I found the intercessory part is the work part. Yeah. So that, to me, that's where I have to, so this is the power of a place, this is the power of a plan. You know, like I have to have, I have to have structure to this aspect yeah. of it. So I do have a very systematic way that I pray for people that I'm really responsible to and for. Mm -hmm. um, I feel, you know, like when Samuel says, I'm not gonna sin against God by failing to pray for you. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I believe I could, sin against those I lead by not praying for them. Mm, that's a good point. Um, so you read the read Paul's letters, the epistles, and you know uh, the prison epistles are just uh, and he he always felt the need to tell them right out of the gates that he was praying for them. Mm -hmm. 
Like it was important to him that they knew I'm praying for you. Yeah. And so he would say, I prayed for you with joy, or I pray for you. And then he would tell them how he's praying for them. And or what he prayed for. I pray that your yeah, eyes would be open to the exactly. hope of your calling or that you would grow in discernment. Exactly. Or to Philemon, he said, I pray that you would be more effective in the sharing of your faith. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, that's really powerful. And then several times at the end, he would say, that, then pray for me. Yep. You know, like, yep. hey, could you pray for, partner with me in prayer in these ways. Yep. So, but I guess the point being that for, you know, Jesus to say, I've prayed for you, Peter, that your faith would not fail. Yeah. His very life right now before the Father is intercession for us. Yeah. He's he's the he's the chief intercessor. He ever lives to intercede for us. It's like, wow, right now Jesus is praying. He's well, his life is interceding on my behalf. So if if it was important that Jesus not only prayed, but prayed for others, mm -hmm. you know, his own communion, his own relationship with Abba, but also then he stood in the gap. Um it's important that as I look at the Apostle Paul and I look at the church of uh, the first Christians in the book of Acts, where we, we're not given a lot of sermons or teaching on prayer. We're just told the stories of the effects of prayer, yeah. you know, of the yeah. power of a praying church, of a praying leadership. So in Acts 6, when it says, we cannot neglect the ministry of the word in prayer. Mm -hmm. It's like, what a priority um, that that has been in Scripture and the examples of Scripture. And so, I mean, you even look at the life of Daniel, you know, where it's like, I am so dependent on these three times a day of prayer. You're going to have to throw me in the lion's den to keep me from praying because yeah. I'm not going to stop. You know, it's like, I so need to be praying or so prioritized and committed to prayer that you'd have to kill me to keep me from praying. Um so I think for me, the intercessory aspect where it's like our, like we're defying the spirit of this age, we're pushing against the darkness, we're, mm -hmm. we're standing in the gap between what we believe is God's will and that which is our current experience. And we're saying, no, may your kingdom come here and we're laying hold of it and we're waging the war. And we're, you know, so to me, there's times where that is most effective for me when I get to do that with other people. Yeah, amen. Corporate prayer. Yeah. But at the same time, I do have, so I pray for you, Ben. I pray for Northwest Church. Mm -hmm. I pray for our pastors and leaders because, but I didn't before I came into this role. Yeah. Now, on occasion, I've got to put you on my heart or, you know, or I saw your face and go, oh, I should pray for Ben, you know, mm -hmm. but, but I have a way that I cover you in prayer because that's part of my purview of responsibility and do you have I like think, a do you have like a map or, I do. or do you have like a calendar? Yeah. How, do, mm -hmm. how does that, what does that look like for you? Let's do um, a practical part of that. So I actually kind of laid it out here. So because I want to make sure I'm intentional that I don't miss. Mm -hmm. So I have to be intentional. I don't want it to be ad hoc, certain things that I'm covering in prayer. So Sundays is always just my wife and I, that's our time of prayer. Um, uh, you know, I, it's really my own worship life that, so it's not as part of, so if Sandy and I pray for our, our own direction, our own future, things that are before us in our family, that's kind of a priority on Sunday. Mondays, I always pray for our local state and national government leaders. So I always pray. So I have a list of my local and mm -hmm. statewide and national leaders that I pray for. And I do, some of them I pray for because Jesus said, Pray for our enemies. No, it's kidding. Uh, uh, some people I'm like so disheartened by their, you know, their lives and their sure, lifestyles. Sure. And they, but at the same time, I can't neglect that. The scripture calls me to pray for my leaders. That's right. And I don't get to decide whether I pray for them or not. And yeah. I can't pray for them out of anger or um, what's, what's the 
precatory, not precatory. Is that what it is? Prayers are about where where you're praying judgment on people. Just get them out of the office, Lord. Just get them out. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Put my guy, put my gal in. That's all. Yeah. Bash their teeth with a rod of iron. (laughs) The dark Psalms. So I don't want to get to heaven is kind of like, yeah, Tim, Paul told Timothy, pray for leaders and kings and rulers and all those in authority. And I never did, you know? Yeah, so yeah. I got a way I can tell you I'm, I make myself do that. So I do that on Monday. Tuesdays, I pray for all of our four square leaders and our churches and pastors and ministries. And that's where I pray for right now, primarily our senior pastors mm-hmm. and our key ministry leaders. Um, I have a way that I just pray broadly for all of our credential ministers, but I can't pray for 8,000 credential ministers by name, let alone all of our national leaders and everything. But I pray for, I, so I have a rotation, like it was about usually, usually one of the names or churches I'm praying for, the Holy Spirit will give me a word or something. I'll text and I'll say, Mm -hmm. Hey, I was praying for you today. And so, um, so there's a a way that those rotate before Mm -hmm. me. So I'm praying through and I have a map. I have a way that I look at, here's where our churches are. And so I'm praying through. And so I'm saying the names of our pastors before heaven's throne. Mm -hmm. So I just feel like that's, it's one of the gifts I get to bring um, to this role in terms of one of the things I can give in terms of just a priority of prayer. Um, Wednesdays, I pray for um, personal relationships in my life, friendships in my life, my immediate team Mm -hmm. that I serve with. And then I also pray for all the weddings I've ever, uh, marriages I ever officiated. So I have these three ring binders with all these certificates of in photos of weddings I've done over the years, over 300, and I just pray God's great. Now, some I don't know everybody if they stayed married or not. I don't know. Um, but, but the funny thing is I see them frozen in time, you know, like a wedding from 30 years ago. I still got this picture, and then I'll, like, see them, you know, decades later, and I'm like, whoa, what happened? <laughs> that's, probably, that's probably how they look at me and go, whoa, what God happened? is doing a new thing <laughs> in you. <laughs> yeah, what happened? You haven't uh, yeah. passed up to me. Have you, have you, Pastor Randy? Do you know <laughs> about our 21-day fast for Force? <laughs> oh, man, I'm sure that's how they look at me. Are like, we editing oh, this part? <laughs> All right, sorry. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, <laughs> So if they're hearing this, it's not them. It's, it's not, not them. you. Yeah, it's right. not that's you. Right. But I feel like when people ask me to officiate their wedding, because to me, we're not a wedding chapel. We're not just cranking out mm-hmm. weddings. I feel like I've been invited in to partner with somebody for God's will in their life. Amen. So I feel a certain commitment before the Lord for them. So I do. I, I And I'll say that on occasion because it, I'll, I'll always have pastors come. I never thought of that. Never like, yeah, it's like, I just feel like... I've got, I've entered into this covenant with them. Mm-hmm. So I, I have a way that I make myself continually pray for, awesome. for all those weddings. I love that. Um, on Thursdays, I pray for our whole staff um, in Foursquare full and part-time. A lot of them are bivocational. They're doing Foursquare roles while they're pastoring churches or stuff. But we have over 200. And so our board of directors and our staff, I pray for them by name and kind of go through and pray for their areas of oversight. And then on Friday, I pray for all of our global area directors, all of our... Um, Kind of, kind of the four square globe. Yeah, you know, just the nations, uh, four square nations of the earth and stuff. Um, and then Saturday, I I don't do any intercessory prayer. That's my <laughs> Shabbat. <laughs> yeah. So now, obviously, the Holy Spirit will bring to my thoughts, or there's mm-hmm. urgencies I'll feel in unscripted moments, like I should really be praying for. But to have a way that just it's a template that I have superimposed on my week. Right. 
to make sure that I'm methodically or systematically covering in prayer. Um, So when I say to my team, I'm praying for you, like I can quantify that, you know, like, and so it's not, again, it's not lifeless form, but it's a little bit more on the discipline side. It's a little more on the diligence and um, uh, the Holy Spirit leads differently in those times. And Mm -hmm. we find once we just enter in and we're praying that's where the lord meets us there but it's not like i always feel like yeah i get to you know so there's my own life in jesus and there's that place that i just stand on behalf of others and before heaven's throne the distinction's really powerful and i know anybody listening or watching is catching that but um i I do think people get confused i mean i want to jump into like a different category Mm -hmm. on prayer uh, and I think it leads quite well into it, but I do think we get confused sometimes where it's like, we want to spend time with Jesus and it's a- about us and knowing him and hearing his voice and letting it be organic and not mechanical. But when you, as we separate these two, intercession is is the work that um, we believe in an almighty God who has power to do things far beyond not only what we can do, but also anybody can do. We're praying for things that like cannot be done mm-hmm. unless God intervenes. And you're praying for the comfort and the care of far beyond your reach. You're just one person, but God cares for us all. I think it's a good distinction. I just want to make sure everybody is clear on that because sometimes when you lose your personal time with Jesus, you never really get around to intercession. And I wonder, as I jump into a different category, I wonder if sometimes that's a problem, is that when when I think about churches praying, when I think about prayer gatherings that we have, so corporate prayer, where clearly you're going to do intercession, that's really the work of the church gathered, is we're going to pray together on behalf of mm-hmm. God's will, his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven for our missionaries, for our city, for our leaders, for those in authority. We're praying all those things together. And just as a believer and as a pastor, I have found that there is an awkwardness to corporate prayer. And I often wonder, as as we're talking about this, if maybe it could be that some don't have as much time with Jesus. And let's say like you're you're running on three days a week of being with the Lord and then you go to corporate prayer. Let's say somebody says, I'm gonna go to the prayer meeting at church this Wednesday. <laughs> it's the first time I've done it. And it's hard for them to do it, right? Because we are all busy and everything mm-hmm. else. So they go and they get into a room of like 30, 40 people. And it's weird mm-hmm. because like, Somebody's praying loud. Somebody's in the corner, maybe like praying under their breath. Somebody's praying in tongues. That could be new to some people. Um, one person's praying a little longer than they should. Ten people never say anything. Everybody's praying at the same time. You know, it's just a beautiful mess, right? I'm just mm-hmm. trying to like paint the picture of like sometimes what I think a person who like, let's say I'm going to roll the dice and try this corporate prayer thing. This uh, Pastor Ben invited me. Here we go. He said it's awesome. And they show up and it's this thing. And... And let's say you've only spent time with Jesus once or twice. Sometimes this thing reminds us that we haven't really been connected to the one we need to be connected to in order to do the work. (laughs) And it makes us feel like it's a work, like, oh, this is like this mechanical, non-organic. But what you've just said, it's the watchman on the walls. We're (laughs) coming together saying amen in the name of Jesus for his will on something specific. And we can all pray at the same time (laughs) together. And and it really is a beautiful mess. (laughs) But when I think about corporate prayer, just as a pastor, we can have 1,500 people show up on a weekend, but it it makes 
it's very difficult for people to come to like pre-service prayer or Wednesday prayer. And that's no shame. I'm, you know, people that are listening to this from our church, I'm not, they know me, I'm not guilting anybody. Like you, you'd be a better Christian if you came on Wednesday night. Some can't, right? But do you think when you, you've been a pastor a long time, several different churches, has corporate prayer been the easiest thing? And how, how do you, like, I know it's a big question and maybe I'll hone down on some specifics, but when you think about moving from intimate time with Jesus as a person to intercession as an individual, but then moving that into the church, what are some of the things that you've found as a pastor that have been, you know, difficult or compelling? You know, just feel free to jump off the diving board mm-hmm. into whatever ocean when it comes to corporate prayer, because I think this is a big, this is a big thing. And I, I, Mm -hmm. I I think I, I want the church to grow in corporate prayer. I want hundreds and hundreds of people. I've got Leonard Ravenhill in the back (laughs) of my head saying, if you want, if you want to know how popular the pastor is, come Sunday morning. And if you want to know how popular God is, you come Wednesday night. (laughs) So I'm sorry, I got that guy in the back of my head telling me these things. And am I wrong? Or what do you, what do you think? What, What have you learned about some of that stuff in corporate prayer? Yeah. I mean, even in my role, uh, not only do I encourage prayer, preach on, teach on prayer, talk about prayer, every conversation I have with leaders, one of the first things I'll ask is, Hey, tell me about your prayer life, you know, and I don't do that anymore. Because one, you know, you want to humble somebody quick, ask them how their prayer life is going. It's know. good. And that's like, well, no, no. Usually it's this. Oh, Lord. Yeah. yeah. Because I found that in Foursquare anyway, we've been, we we're really good Bible readers and yep. time in the scripture and journaling. We're like, give, I'll give ourselves an A minus, A on that. Um, probably... You know, although I am seeing kind of the the sea level rise a little bit in terms of prayer, but it's one of those things where we we teach on, we preach on, we all know we should, but we for for whatever reason, it's hard. It's mm-hmm. it's just the hard work. Um, um. So now I just ask people, hey, what is God saying to you? You know, because I because to me it's a it's similar, but it's different, you know, right. but it's like, what it was God saying to you? Because yeah. I, you know, same thing. Are you listening? Are you hearing? And by the way, I just had a guy recently say, I don't know, I'm not listening. <laughs> like, cause he doesn't, he's afraid of what God might say. Um, the, this, the corporate leading the church in corporate prayer. So I'm going back to my original role. So my m- statement about in this, in this role, I even want to lead that in our denomination. So I lead it at our conventions. I lead early morning prayer, mm-hmm. you know, and just our last connection in Anaheim, mm-hmm. you know, we had like 350 people come at, you know, seven in the morning to pray. And I was so encouraged by that. You know, I, I jokingly said, I honestly thought it was going to be me and about 15 Nigerians, you know, because mm-hmm. the, the Nigerian church, they pray, yeah, they you do. know, like, it is just like, it's like a, you flip a switch. I was actually just at our Foursquare uh convention for uk for great britain and the predominant church uh church most of our churches in the uk are nigerian churches and and so at one point the leader said hey let's pray about this and it's like there was like no lead up no kind of like easing in it was like for mood music let's go and i was at our it's called the ECFC, the Eastern uh, Church Force Council of Foursquare Churches. That's all you know, Southeast and Central Asia and um, South Asia. The 
I mean, a lot of the are Filipino, Korean, you know, just where they're rooted in prayer. Same thing. It was like, we're going to pray now. Mm -hmm. The corporate prayer. It was just like life. I just like, and I, and I, that was like the Holy Grail for me as a pastor. Like, because I read, you know, I read in the book of Acts, like in Acts chapter four, where this persecution coming to the church, they came back to the saints and they said- First thing they, they did was pray. Yeah. yeah. But it, they didn't just pray. They lifted their voices yes. together yes. in prayer. Yes. And so I had this vision, like, how can we like, as a church, be committed to corporate prayer not just individual prayer, but corporate prayer, because if one can put a thousand to flight, two can put, there's something exponential. There's something compounding about us agreeing together in prayer. So the power of agreement in mm -hmm. prayer is, I mean, there's a whole teaching we should regularly do with our churches on just the power of agreeing together in prayer. But most people have experienced lifeless, painful prayer meetings. And yeah. so it's like you sit in a circle and somebody wants prayer for their mom's friend who is a, elementary school teacher in Des Moines, Iowa, because one of their students has, you know, got part of a toe cut off, you know, or something, you know, so it's like, so it sounds kind of personal. Like, yeah, this is so <laughs> random and disconnected. And you're praying for these arbitrary disconnected things, you know, and somebody goes from praying from a, for the little girl's toe in Iowa to somebody's praying for, you know, the North Korean believers that are being persecuted, you know, it's like whiplash. And so there's no flow. It feels disjointed. And, you know, somebody's like, praying like they have a cricket in their mouth and so you're like what what's in your mouth you know and someone else is like lord we thank you know like they're falling or something and then it's like the then it's like the father god praying you know the father god lord thank you lord the god father god the father some, god some you know, daddy yeah, god yeah, yeah. daddy god daddy, daddy god like, we love father you god, daddy god. father god we thank you father god it's like i don't you know and it's just so crazy world you know and so people are like nah i'll just i'll just check out so I'll go watch Netflix on Wednesday night. This was a bad <laughs> idea. Know, this really Pastor bizarre. Ben, what the heck are you talking <laughs> know, about was, inviting me this here? This was bizarre. <laughs> so I actually um, probably did the best leading of it in our last church, the last 17 years, 18 years we were in Beaverton. And I think because I was so intentional and consistent in it and prioritization of it. And so I would, I would basically lead out of my own life, mm -hmm. you know, um, and I would never miss, like, I just never missed our, we just did it once a month, an hour and a half prayer. We just called it prayer and worship, but, but primarily a prayer meeting. And we had a, we had a loose kind of structure and we always had a very big, clear beginning and ending. So people knew they could plan around it. And, you know, it wasn't just these, uh, just open-ended draining kind of like, so people knew what to expect a little bit. So I, I found those little frameworks helped, um, uh, to facilitate it. And then I personally led our church mm -hmm. in corporate prayer. Um, it doesn't mean I was the only one who prayed, but I didn't farm that out to the prayer pastor. I didn't yeah. farm that out to anybody else. And can I ask you why? Why did you feel like that was such, like, you know, what made you make that decision? Because I wanted to establish it in the, the core identity of our church that we we were a praying church yeah that not just having a culture of prayer but we were we were the church gathered in like prayer. we don't just have a prayer ministry this is part of the air we breathe right so 
all week long, we have prayer groups, prayer meetings, things yeah. like this. But this corporate time where we're all coming together in this space and this place, and we're gonna we're going to be the church in prayer. Yeah, because and so you teach the why constantly. What happens when we pray? You know what happens in the spiritual realm when we pray? You know the Pastor Ron Mel, who I followed at Beaverton, he told us once that it had a profound kind of impact on me in terms of my discipline and commitment to leading our church in prayer. But he said, we were doing our premarital counseling and we were talking about the wedding that we were going to have in that room. And he, we were kids, you know, we were like 25. We were just kids, but we were, we hadn't even, I was still a youth pastor and he, but he, he said, what's most important to you in the ceremony? And I said, I want, I want God to be there. And he goes, oh, God's here. You know, and it wasn't that he was saying that God dwells in a building made by man's hands. But as I got to know him and hear his heart, he had this conviction that there's anything good happening through the church there was because of this continual undercurrent of the Holy Spirit's moving. Mm. And that undercurrent of the spirits moving was sustained by a praying church. Mm -hmm. wow. And so he constantly refers to, not by mind, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord, that he, he, he and his wife came to Beaverton and this little church of 30 people within six months started in this trajectory of growth over the next two decades that went to 8,000 people, mm. but almost immediately upon his arrival. And he would say, you think I had anything to do with that? You think that was me? And he would point to this group of people that built that little building by the, with their own hands <clears throat> and then for years gathered in the basement of that building and prayed, God, move, pour out your spirit. They believed God wanted to set himself to do something special in that place. And they birthed it in prayer. And he goes, I was the recipient of their prayer. Wow. And so he goes, we sustain that by a prioritization and commitment to prayer. Uh, and so he led the church. They had a Thursday night he called it their prayer service. They prayed for about 20 minutes of the one hour service every Thursday night, but he had everybody get on their knees and pray and he walked amongst the congregation. Um, so we didn't have the midweek service anymore. So it's like, how am I going to do that? And so first of all, I wanted to lead as a staff. Like if our staff wasn't praying, it felt very hypocritical to yeah, me. Like yeah, how do course. we gather weekly and pray? Like, can we pray together as yep. a staff? Yep. Did my, does my, leadership teams do we know how to pray so does the leadership core know how to pray mm -hmm. um and we if we just make prayer an opener then we relegate prayer to this perfunctory thing that we don't really believe it's essential to the fruitfulness of our mm -hmm. ministry we don't really believe it matters um we know that the london tabernacle or is that what's called spurgeon's church where you know he called the boiler room the prayer room underneath the platform mm -hmm. And people would pray through the service. And when he just felt like there was no anointing, anything, he would just stomp on the floor, you know, like <laughs> keep praying more. Like, like this is life or death to us. Like I wanted, I wanted to somehow get to be like, this is wood, hand, stubble. And that's what praying, seeking God. Cause we need his power. We need his presence. We need him to show up. We need his anointing. Um, we need the spirit to move. And, and so we contend in prayer for that. Um, so long story short, we, I thought, I got to disciple our church in prayer. Mm -hmm. I've got to lead us in this. And so um, I set forth to do that. And by by the end of my time there, we were four or 500 people would come together for those prayer nights. It was always my goal that that would be the largest gathering of the week. And it never was. Never was. But they became powerful. Yeah. 
services, just powerful services in terms of just, um, it really wasn't about personal ministry. We weren't pray We came to do the work of prayer. We yeah. came to roll up our shirt sleeves and pray together. And so a couple things that were key to that. One, we would always have, always began with a couple of songs of worship, but the people who led worship in those services, their whole purpose was they couldn't have click tracks and flow charts and, and <clears throat> run sheets that it was like, we are just going to flow. Mm-hmm in worship and prayer it's going to be like this this hour and a half united thing that you know yeah. that's and so we would always start with a couple songs because that you know we focus puts a focus on the heart everybody's gathering from the, their day and unites us together in the presence of god i would always give like a five minute exhortation about prayer um and then we would always have like about a 20 minute individual prayer like people roamed walked stood kneeled and we put some prayer prompts on the screen and that just became just kind of a of everybody just praying and then we also had a prayer team because some people were just so carrying so much something so like they couldn't even pray because they were so in need themselves of ministry that was a place where we gave some space that we're going to minister to you but then I would call everybody back together and I would try to get everybody down front, but we would fill the aisles and the front rows and all, it was like our own camp experience. And I would just be on the platform and we would just begin to call on the name of the Lord. And like, how do we lift our voices? And then how do we wait on the Lord together? And then there would always be some people, if I felt like the Lord said, I want you to pray for schools in your city tonight. I would always have a few people ready. They were, and then they just had to be watching because we were worshiping in and out of songs and praying corporately. I'd say, I'd just kind of hand the mic to somebody and they would lead in prayer. Mm-hmm. And I would have this rule. And I had to do it at Foursquare Convention. I would say, when we were praying, I was like, don't talk, pray. Like, don't exhort, pray. Don't admonish, pray. Yep. You know, because pe- we just want to get in, and that's what kills it where people start, you know, We're remember talkers. and Philippians. No, just pray. Yesterday in my devotional, <laughs> yes. the Lord said to me about my heart. You know? I know. It's just like, <laughs> us, like, and it, nothing can pull you back versus yeah, learning how to flow together. Yeah, that's right. And it was work and it took time, but then we kind of reached these places and breakthroughs where. This is what we do, you know, and and the Holy Spirit always orchestrated it to the, we would come to the end of these, really. And sometimes we were like, you know, clap your hands, all you people, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. And there's times we would just lift up that shout, yeah, you know, yeah. of war and praise. And, and, and there were those times we just wept and waited in silence. And there was like a heavy sense and people would pray prayers of, that you could tell were deeply the burden of Jesus for a people or a place. And and so nobody could just hijack a mic or take over. There were people I that over time were I trusted and I could almost make eye contact with and you know, you just start so it always moved and always flowed, but the spirit was conducting it. And that took that was like a muscle we had to learn to cultivate and develop and then exercise. And then it became life to us but there were some nights you know where i was just like i needed a nap it was like wow we labored and worked and then there are other nights where like you're kidding an hour and a half's up already mm-hmm. you know um but really grateful for those times but there are people who 
they'd, they'd fly back from vacation. They'd plan their vacation where they wouldn't miss, you know, just because that's, wow. but that also became this place where the spirit really, that's where we tended to have most of our words of prophecy and um, uh, just sometimes the, the real revelatory gifts were manifested. And becomes a culture setter, right? I mean, for the because you want that to spill over into mm-hmm. the rest of the church and the mm-hmm. congregation and all the gatherings and right. everything. I, I love that. We have a, a well, we're not in a hurry. We don't need your seat because we have another service coming right. up, and you know, and just park we're, it. And we're we're this is what mm-hmm. we do here, and and we are just fine. Yep. We didn't have children's ministry, um, so we said, bring your kids. Yep. And a lot of times, you know, there'd be kids who were part of that prayer time. That was a limiting thing, you know, not having children's ministry. But we just basically said we're going to take an hour and a half, and it's devoted to prayer. Yeah. Do you? I mean, now that you're in an oversight role with sixteen hundred plus churches in in the nation, mm-hmm. however many they are, and and you have contact with them, traveling throughout the nation, seeing churches, talking to pastors. Um. Obviously. As you said, you can say, "Hey, what's your prayer life like?" And they, not good, or or what, or some some maybe they're they're really growing. One of the questions I was thinking about is you've kind of been able to touch base with all these different churches without maybe pointing to any leaders or churches, which you which you can. I mean, it's up to you. But have you seen some things that you felt like were kind of compelling in that area of prayer and corporate mm-hmm. prayer and testimony? And what were those things that you were like? And I saw this and I heard about it and I was like, that's really powerful. And that could encourage the rest of the body of Christ. You right. kind of carry that with you. Well, I, I I know this. I want to be careful in saying this because this isn't comparison. This isn't. Sure. Um, just what's compelling. Yeah, yeah, of but, course. Yeah. But I will say just in my experience and one of the, I, again, is it, their gifts, you know, when people invite you to their church, I mean, I take that serious for Lord, I treasure those um, opportunities and want to steward them righteously. But you can tell in a church where it's a praying church or not, you can tell. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, there is something different spiritually in the atmosphere, even how, even some people are they have really great gifted preachers or preaching teams, pastors who teach really well, their teams preach really well. And so people are conditioned and they're used, they're responsive. You know, there's always that. But you can just tell something's different in the atmosphere. You can tell it in worship and you can tell it when you're preaching that there's something that's gone before you. There's yeah. something permeating in that moment. Yeah. And it's, it's not because of me. I didn't bring that, you know, right. but it's like, and I can... And so there are times I've gone to a church, I know already by reputation what they do in terms of prayer and how the mm-hmm. pastor leads in that and their church's commitment to it. And you experience it. Um, several churches I visited just because I wanted to go to their prayer meetings. Mm-hmm. I've heard so much about it, you know, mm-hmm. and I just wanted to go and just be part of their prayer meetings. And they're shocked when I show up at their prayer meeting, you know. <laughs> um, visited one church. Um, we're gonna. I had to go there for a tough conversation, but... I saw they had an early Saturday morning prayer meeting. I just showed up at that. It was like, they're like, what are you, like, unexpected. Like, they don't expect you to show up to those things, course, you know. Yeah, but yeah. to me, it, it really reflects something, you know. Um, I've I've been in some churches where 
everything is flawless, but you're like that little, you know, that whatever you want to call it, that the anointing or how, whatever the word spirit we want is to with use. us. The yeah. spirit is among us. I'm not yeah. talking about people are Pentecostal and their yeah, expression. Yeah. I'm just talking about just that sense of yeah, God, right? Yeah. Like there's a, there's a real like. It, God is. With I kind of call it like the the culture of possibility. You mm-hmm. almost be, there's a it's e- easy to believe. Like right. yeah, God could heal somebody today. Yeah. You, you feel that. Yeah. You sense my that. my my planning and my methods and my systems didn't create this. Yeah, you know you can have really good planning and systems and methods. You probably should. Yeah, but my faith doesn't rest in that because yeah. those aren't going to change hearts and lives. Right. But so I always look at you know in First Corinthians where. Paul's talking about the gifts, you know, and he's chapter 14 is talking about tongues and interpretation that an unbeliever would fall on his face and say, God is, God is here. here. That's right. That was always my heart. That that I wanted people to come to Beaverton and go, God is here. Mm. Like, because I'm working on a message out of Isaiah 6 where Isaiah's called a ministry, you know, and he said, I saw the Lord. Um, and people come to us, they're not wanting to come to the church or come to us as leaders because they want to learn about our leadership or our systems. I mean, the world can run circles around us on a lot of those fronts. I'm not saying we should be sloppy or anything, but the one thing we have that they don't have mm. is tell us about God. Do you know God? Have you seen the Lord? Um, have you encountered the Lord? You know, I think if we can offer that, then all of the other stuff supports that. All the other stuff maybe is in spite of that. But it's, if we could offer that mm-hmm. to our communities, like, they know God there. You know, mm-hmm. like, I've seen the Lord. Um, I I just feel like that, you can't fake that. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't, you can't pretend that. You can't manufacture that. That's... That's there. It's not. Before I ask you the last question, uh, I mean, this is honestly, this I could keep going. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about like, okay, so there's people listening to us right now. Some are pastors, some are not. Some are ministry leaders, some are not. But just in the, the terms of corporate prayer, pastors, leaders, ministry people, in any sphere of influence that we have, whatever we're leading, anybody that's listening, um. I want to ask you this. I want to make a statement and then ask you this question. But like, in my mind, you cannot learn to pray without praying. Mm -hmm. You just cannot refine it. You can't make it better. You can't hone it. You can't, what we're talking about, God is here. This sense Mm -hmm. in which there's a culture where it becomes the air we breathe and people walk in and acclimate to it. They really Mm -hmm. feel and sense a miraculous possibility. We wouldn't call it that, but what, right. whatever. It's not weird. It's not strange. It's not people doing dumb stuff, saying dumb things, but there's just a sense of like, we have got to pray and God hears us when we do. He answers us. He's here. God was in this place and I didn't know it. Mm-hmm. You, you To get there, there's no shortcut. There's no like quick fix f- formula. There's no, in my experience, there's uh, there's no way to do that. So f- <laughs> make your adjustment on this comment that you that you think. But for me, you got to just start, and it's funky. 
mm-hmm. and it's weird. <laughs> and you almost start by saying, God ain't here. <laughs> I mean, theologically, God is here. Yeah, no, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, God's obligated to be here. <laughs> yeah. um, it's, and so he had to show up to the ball game. But that's not true. I don't mean that's true. But like, you start in the funky, you start in the weird, you start in the strange, and then you kind of move it around and you shift it and you refine it and you kind of wrestle with like, okay, you, you put the parameters around it. You you learn to kneel before the Lord. You learn to cry out. You learn to shout. You learn to celebrate. You learn to move with the Spirit. Mm-hmm. It just takes time mm-hmm. it t- and it takes doing it. Mm-hmm. Maybe it is that sometimes we don't do more of it because it takes too long to get to that, yeah, that place, right? And we have to be pre-convinced, like for the joy set before us, mm-hmm. we endured the funky. Yeah, <laughs> that's not a scripture, by the way. I don't know where to go with say, that. <laughs> can I quote you on that? Conversations <laughs> with Randy Remington. All right, so uh, I almost was tempted to buy a Remington shotgun and just put it on the table, <laughs> like, <laughs> like you'd never heard that one yeah. before. But it's not the South; it's yeah. Seattle. Um, so, is that true? And how do we encourage yeah. all of us, including me? How do we encourage us to move from where we are? Not because there's some perfect utopia, but really, there just is a place that we want to continue to grow to and get to, and invite people into. Do, do you think just encourage us to do it, like just grow into it? Yeah. More than any other topic in the scripture. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but from what I have gathered as I've read the scripture and looking for it, we are given more exhortation about perseverance and persistence in regards to prayer than anything else. So Colossians, be continue in prayer and be devoted in it. You know, um, Jesus taught him this parable that men should always pray and not give up. Pray without ceasing. Keep on asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. So it seems like always in regards to direct instruction and exhortation about prayer and scripture, it's always given with the call to persistence. Like, just keep at it. Just keep at it. Mm -hmm. And like anything, it becomes more natural to you. It becomes a developed um, skill. I think for me, though, when it comes to the intercessory side of it, the corporate side of prayer, having been exposed to that early on in my ministry leadership and formation, it was almost like this is normative. Mm -hmm. Like before I even knew that you were to lead, lead, read leadership books and some of these other things, I I was discipled. I was really only discipled in two things in my life and ministry intentionally. One was on giving. Um, Like, man, I got, and a lot of that had to do with the circle that I kind of got spirit filled in and raised up in ministry early. So they were like, you know, giving was like the ultimate of um, commitments and disciplines, but I'm very great, grateful that I was discipled really, really strongly in giving, but also discipled and exposed to prayer as a priority in the church. So, um, praying with people who were skillful in prayer, who who were mature in prayer, who were sensitive to the spirit in prayer was really profound for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it also it gave me a vision for it. It gave me, uh, like, I knew what what was out there, where we could go with that. So it wasn't like starting blind or from scratch, and we found kind of had to, but I, I always knew kind of where I wanted our church to, to get to. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
when I was right out of high school, I went to Christ for the Nations Institute in Dallas, Texas for two years. And um, I worked at night loading trucks at UPS to pay my way through school. And I get home like at three in the morning, two thirty, three in the morning. And I would get up at five after only about three hours of sleep. And I would go into our prayer room in our dorm. And there were these students from Malaysia and from, um, uh, um, there's one guy in particular um, from Africa, um, Benin, from Benin. Um, uh, leaders who later became like, one was a president of a, an African nation. And it, it, I mean, these were godly men. And their churches would save and, sacrifice to send their pastors to school for a year. And they were already wow. already pastoring and had started dozens of churches, you know? So these were like, but, so there were these two pastors in particular, one from Malaysia named Eugene Tan. And the way they prayed almost scared me. Like the authority they stood in and held their Bibles up and it's like, God, you said, you know? And it was like, can you talk to God like that? <laughs> you know, I mean, it was like, but I mean, they're like, just praying intercessory prayer to them and praying together with others. It was so normative, like, this is what you do, you know? And so we don't disciple people corporately and we don't disciple our churches as a whole. We may, in terms of giving or serving, we do really good in discipling our churches on serving because we need people to do stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. But just what does it really mean to... so? to stay at it, to be consistent at it, but also to expose people to where there's life yeah. in it. And so I learned to pray by praying with people. I learned to pray by praying with others. I even got to the point where when I went home for the summer and I tried to pray early in the morning by myself, it was awful. You know, I was sleep, I was get up at five and got my knees and then, you know, an hour later I'd wake up and it's like, I actually stood on the edge of the bathtub to pray. Like, cause I thought, well, you can go to sleep if you want, Flesh, but you're going to pay a price. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, so yeah. it's like I was like doing whatever I had to do because I, for some reason, I thought, hey, if I didn't do it early in the morning, it wasn't like God could only meet me if it was early in the morning. But, but I, I do think that the formation in me of prayer as a priority be, came because I was discipled in it right out of the blocks yeah, in ministry. Um, but also just, we're worshiping churches, we're teaching churches, we're even outreach churches, we're giving churches. But if we could be a praying church, mm -hmm. you know, and so I think I've said this in one of my messages when I read through the book of Acts and was noting every time they prayed and any reference to prayer. And I came to the conclusion they're a praying church and we're a talking church. Mm -hmm. And the proof is in the pudding. You know, what is miraculous? Versus what is just wood, hay, and stubble, you know? And so I think, I don't know, I, I just want, I wanted to be able to be in a place where it needed God to explain it, and God got all the glory for it, mm. you know, because it didn't make any sense, you know? Yeah. So I'm not, I can't, I can't say for sure that we did, but I do know that the motivation and the efforts were foundational in the things of the spirit born out of prayer in our own life in Jesus versus just our own strategies and methods. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't think anybody listening to this could say, yeah, I don't want that. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> we want that. We w I, I think anybody that has the spirit of God living in them is like, I have got to go 
to a deeper place. I want to know him. I want to hear him. I want to pray. I want to learn how to war in intercession mm-hmm. because the needs of our world are so real. I mean, how exactly. at some point, Absolutely. right, you talked about desperation and people that are in circumstances or situations, perhaps nations where desperation is all they have, they have to pray. They don't, it's not a luxury. It's not mm-hmm. an, ob- it's, it's not, I should, it's, I must. And I think to be in touch with our spiritual need in a way, and to lead the church in a way where like, we can be angry at the culture mm-hmm. or we can understand that a culture that is declining is job security for an intercessor. And we just have to see it that way. And and I think that, uh, you know, again, anybody listening, watching wants more of that. And so I think we should close a podcast on prayer by praying. You think? <laughs> I just think that <laughs> might be a good idea. I'm not a smart man, <laughs> but it seems oh. good to me and potentially the Holy Spirit. So uh, just close us on on that yeah. uh, and and then uh, and I'll sign off. But yeah, yeah. close us in prayer. So. All right. So... Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray for anybody listening to this podcast who heard anything that was a voice of condemnation or shame over a lack of prayerfulness or commitment or priority in prayer. Lord, I just um, pray that those words would be dismantled. Um, anything that mm-hmm. was said of us that's not of you, God, that, that those would be brought low. Lord, those things, though, that are convictions of your Spirit that are calling us to a place of uh, beholding you, of seeing you high and lifted up, of knowing you, of being known by you. God, if there's your Spirit working, calling within us, deep calling to deep, as the Scripture says, God, would you let those words burn um, like uh, just coals in us, Lord, that we can't quench or we can't put out, Lord, that we would be compelled and drawn to your presence and the places, Lord, where you have our exclusive focus, that place, Lord, where you have our full attention, that place, Lord, where we're meeting with our God and our God is meeting with us and we're not distracted. There's nothing else drawing um, for the affections of our heart or calling for our, our focus or gaze, but it's completely on you. But Lord, out of that would even flow this compelling conviction that you want to be a miraculous God in the midst of your people and that these are demanding but opportunistic days to be the church. And God, we know that if there's going to be breakthrough in the broken cultures that we're ministering in and to the broken people we're reaching to, God, if there's going to be any breaking through indifference or cynicism or hostility or spiritual opposition, it's going to be because God, you are miraculously moving by your Spirit among us. Mm-hmm. And so, God, we pray that you would awaken us to pray. Mm-hmm. God, that you would awaken us to our need for Thank you like you, we've Lord. never had before, God, that we would see what is at stake, God, the multitudes of people, the the literally the three billion people on our planet that have yet to hear the name of Jesus. We know that that's not going to happen outside of a miraculous praying church, God. So we pray, God, for a renewal, God, in us of this commitment to prayer that recognizes the spiritual conflict we're in, that recognizes the what is at stake in terms of people's lives being 
just transformed and changed by the good news of the gospel that we preach. And so, God, I pray that we would be stirred with the convictions of Daniel, Lord, that we would be stirred by the priority of the the early apostles, Lord, that we would be challenged by the example of Jesus, Lord, to be men and women, Lord, who kneel before your throne. And because we kneel before your throne, God, we can stand before the needs of the day and we can stand before people and we can be the people you've sent us to be and called us to be in Jesus name. Yeah. Amen. 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 Well, Randy, thanks for being with me. Absolutely. Appreciate you coming on and uh, thank you for tuning in. Please feel free to like, subscribe, share this as we continue to grow being a people and churches of prayer. God bless you guys.